Hi, I'm Kim LaPree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Get Inspired and Innovate. Today, we're going to be talking about what really matters in education and and how, you know, some of these protocols we've been looking at in the past uh, isn't, you know, necessarily what we're going to be focusing on moving forward. Uh, so, Stephanie, with COVID-19 coming on, what, what are you guys really focusing on uh, now up there in Ohio? Well, our teachers really had to adapt quickly. Um, one minute things were communicated one way and then another minute they were communicated another way. Like for instance, we just thought it was going to be short, short term. So when we thought short term, we're like, okay, Google me is not going to be turned on. The teachers don't need that. And then once we realize, okay, teachers and students really do need the video calls. It's now turned on. So teachers had to set up protocols quickly due to the communication coming to them very, very quickly. And it was continuously like changing. So like one minute this wasn't allowed, the next minute it was because no one has gone through this. I mean, I guess China's been a couple weeks ahead of us, but we were just like, oh, this isn't going to be on. This is going to be on. This isn't going to work. This is going to work. This needs to be communicated. This doesn't, you know, like it was just crazy. And so teachers really did have to be flexible and they were having to change their protocols really quickly. What about you, Lance? Yeah, so as we try to communicate in every email or message we send out, this is a fluid situation. That's what we keep trying to tell uh, our teachers. Um, so things are continuously changing. Uh, we actually just had a change today in Tennessee that came from our governor. Um, so we're not for sure what's going to be happening with summer school or even going into to next year now. Uh, but, um, you know, we were looking at – you know, what, what's really important here. And one, we wanted to make sure that our kids were safe, uh, make sure they had food and they had shelter. You know, as, as our listeners know, we had the tornado that came through. Uh, we had lives that were lost. We had homes that were lost and things like that. Um, and, you know, standards necessarily uh, wasn't the very first thing we were worried about, you know, covering standards. Um, so that, that kind of went to the side. The second thing was we wanted to make students comfortable. So we wanted to make sure that uh, they were comfortable with this online learning uh, or remote learning, whatever you want to call it, logging in, uh, you know, just things of, you know, when, when you got your camera on, people can see what's going on behind you. If you've got a messy room or maybe you have undergarments laying around, people can see those things. And, um, you know, we just, we just needed to make sure that they were, they were uh, you know, comfortable with, with that situation. Uh, so that, that was the next thing that we did. And then, you know, after we, you know, we made sure that they were comfortable on uh, being online and doing those things, then uh, we, we started trying to trickle in instruction and, and, and teach those guys. But, you know, in the past, it was standard, standard, standards. We've got to hit this. We've got to hit that. Uh, but we're starting to see that, you know, to, to get started, that's not what's important. But now that we've got everybody comfortable, the teachers are comfortable with what's going on, we can start rolling in some instruction, some teaching, things like that. Uh, and I think it's really going fairly well. I, I was speaking with an administrator uh, just yesterday, and we were, we were discussing, you know, how much have we really lost? And I felt really good after I talked to him. He said, you know, I really think it's only a couple of weeks that we've lost because if you think about it, we had state testing coming. And, 
you know, every school system, you can say you don't, but I, I know how this works. Every school system, they start doing prep work for state testing. And what I mean by that is reviewing content mm -hmm. at a certain point. And so then you got a week of state testing. And then after the state testing, we have celebrations and we have field trips and all those things, which mm -hmm. are great. And I feel like it's great. But, you know, we've really only lost two to three weeks probably of learning from this, which will take us a year or two to, to recoup. Um, but, you know, I think that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, and we're starting to see what's really important, which is the well-being of our students. Yeah, and I think, too, some teachers had to change their instruction and the relationships they had with their students to create different templates or different ways for kids to collaborate. So I really think today's guest is going to help with some ideas on how we can get students collaborating and with these different protocols and how to move to distance learning. Yeah, so we've got Mr. John Carippo with us today. He was uh, named one of the 2019 Top 100 Ed Influencer. He's an Apple Distinguished Educator. He's an author. Uh, he created the Q Rockstar Series, Google Innovator, and he, he was the Executive Director of Q at one point. So welcome to the show today, John. Hi, you guys. Great to be here. And, and, and Lance, I loved what you're talking about there in two ways. I've never heard anybody articulate that before in terms of we haven't lost that much time. If you count some districts that do three or four weeks of test prep, right? Um, the gap is not as small as it may appear this year. So that, that's interesting. I really like that perspective. Yeah, you know, and I hadn't thought about it that way until I was speaking with the administrator. And once once he said that, I was like, you know, I don't feel as bad about this now. Uh, and I feel like that we probably can can make some time up when we, you know, as we move forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. And like, uh, I heard somebody else talk about like when Louisiana got hit with Katrina a couple of years ago, they lost eight months, like they lost their building, they were gone. And um, yet, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't want to sound like I don't appreciate our profession, but sometimes we, we get too freaked out about losing a week or two here. I'm not sure that week or two makes that giant difference. And I think this week or two did make a huge difference for some teachers. It made them try things that they've never tried yes. before. Like, yeah. and I think because, yeah, we did miss maybe a week or two. Um, and Lance, I'm so glad you did point that out. But they've learned how to make videos with Screencastify. Or they've learned how to use Google Slides better. They've learned how to use Google Classroom better because that's where they have to post everything. Right. So right. what effect is that going to have? I've seen more growth in the last four weeks than in 20 years. How's that? Yeah. And I'm talking about teachers, right? So I believe when we go back at some point, which my guess right now is I'm thinking like it's going to be October-ish, depending on what that looks like. Uh, that's my just my guess. I'm not an expert, but it's going to be hard for teachers to then unlearn those skills, right? We've got just enough time in this that they're going to get enough reps that they go, hey, we could use Google Classroom when we're with the kids. What? That's crazy. <laughs> So what implications do you think that, you know, we've got homebound students, we've got kids that are missing, you know, a week or two here and there. What, what do you think is going to be happening if we can learn to use Google Classroom, as you said there, just for instance? Well, I think that, um, I think that what this has done is exposed some weaknesses that we've been kind of papering over in education. Like, here's, here's a big thought for you guys. I believe there's a group of teachers that have not necessarily said this, uh, and it could be like, like math people maybe in particular or um, uh, maybe, primi maybe primary that they're probably really struggling with quote, how do I teach kids quote, if I'm not face to face with them. 
And, and the problem with that is there's a belief structure that you have to be in the room with a person to make them do things. That, that's a faulty, uh, I would like you to uh, watch any cooking show uh, where you are not in the room and yet you are learning. So I think it's really causing teachers to take a second look at what does it look like to teach, if that makes sense. Because I, I don't want to make that sound like people were screwing up before. I just, I mean that they believed that if, if I had 30 kids in front of me, I could teach. And without 30 kids in front of me, I cannot teach. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and the reason I said watch out there is I am a math teacher myself, and uh, many conversations has been going on uh, amongst the math community that I'm a part of, of, you know, do they have to be there with you, like you were saying? So I right. want to ask you your, your opinion. Uh, what, what do you prefer for instruction right now, synchronous or asynchronous? Um, well, that, that's also a, just like everything right now, it's a multi-part answer. Uh, part one is you've heard a lot of people say, we got to get the kids Wi-Fi. Not all the kids have Wi-Fi, but that's only the first layer. The second layer is if they have Wi-Fi in their home or locality, do they have a device? That's the second question, right? Because if mom is doing her work on her laptop and dad is doing his work on his laptop, when does the kid work? Or if you have three kids and only one iMac, so I think that we need to think that way too. If I was going to do this right now, I would have like a daily check-in or office hours. Um, I've been really enjoying tools like Nearpod and Pear Deck, and I'll, I can talk more about that later. Um, but when you pair those up with Edge Protocols, man, it's not, it's not too bad. Um, I think that having synchronous matters because I think we still provide a need for kids psychologically, like we are their captain for the year. And to abandon that post is weird for the kids, if that makes sense. Um, but I think that having an asynchronous model where kids can proceed at their own pleasure because uh, maybe they need to go somewhere with their mom during office hours. And I don't want them to be guilty about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think, too, a lot of my teachers, I've been talking to them this week, and they were saying that their Google Meets are more social-emotional check-ins where they're right, having fun right. with the kids. It's not instruction. No, it's having fun. I love yeah. it. Like, show us your pet today or wear a silly hat. Or, and I think that's the part. That part right there, I think um, uh, Stephanie has the real potential to help a lot of teachers think about that piece of interacting with kids when we go back to face-to-face. -face. I think there's some potential there. Yeah, and they've been using more, you know, videos to do their instruction. So the kids are watching the videos from the teachers to learn the instruction. And then the Google Meets are check-ins where they're having fun or right. doing right. whatever that needs done, which I thought was really interesting because I at first was like, I don't see that happen. You know, I was really worried about the relationship piece. Right, right. And so to, to, uh, to continue answering your question, Lance, because it's a great question, but it has a lot of facets to it. So if folks aren't familiar with the Edge of Protocols concept, it's basically coming up with graphic organizers or lesson frames that kids actually want to do daily and, and actually want to participate in. One of my favorites is the random emoji power paragraph, where basically what you do is you give the kids a set of random emoji, and then they have to hook them all together into a little paragraph. And Partially because it's emoji, the kids are super excited to tell their creative story. But the other piece is using a tool like Socrative or Nearpod or Pear Deck, they're going to get their feedback immediately. And it turns out that that is very attractive to people. Like nobody wants to cook the Thanksgiving dinner and then hear from you two months later if you liked it. They want you to sit down and go, mm, this is looking good. They want that right then. And so 
with a tool like um, uh, with a edgy protocol like the random emoji power paragraph, you can have kids so excited about writing that they'll give you two or three or four paragraphs in half an hour. Well, if you get four paragraphs in a half an hour, or three days a week, your, your scores and skills are going to skyrocket, right? And you can totally do that with a tool like, again, uh, uh, Socrative does it great in the short answer mode. But I've really started falling in love with, again, this like Pear Deck and Nearpod type of tools because I could have my kids do six or seven protocols a day synchronously with me if that's their jam, asynchronously, and I get one report with the whole day's lineup of work. And then tomorrow, using the Edge of Protocols concept, we're going to do basically the same activities, but in math, change the number. So the cognitive load for the kids is super low. And when the cognitive load is low, they're far more likely to actually do the work. So that's kind of the sweet spot for me right now. All right, John. So one thing that I've noticed, I'm on your Edge Protocols website. One thing that I love is how you have provided some free templates here for, for teachers to go ahead and start using. So, you know, me, I'm not kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't think like you guys do, and I, but I love the way that you guys have got all this laid out for me. So I can bring this in and start using it today. Well, and you literally could. The, the, I'll give you two. Like, I just gave you one pretty easy protocol, which is give kids five emoji, tell them to write five sentences about the emoji, give them feedback immediately because you're going to use a tool that where they, they literally hit submit. And I can read them all and they can see what they wrote super easy. And then I go, oh, my gosh, you guys, there is not a single proper noun in here. Can we add a proper noun this round? And the kids are like, yeah, that's easy. And so you get reps like that. Two of my fastest and easy ones, Lance, because um, I see teachers make this make mistake a lot. I'm going to add a thing to my workload. This is why teachers are overworked. They're constantly adding a thing to their workload. So here's my example. Uh, vocab or spelling. Okay, so my, the way, and I did this. I was a Harry Wong disciple. I did it all, man. Uh, it was a procedure. Everybody's going to do this at this time, and everybody's going to do this at this time, and here's your packet, and then I'm going to grade 1,400 pages of packets Friday before I go home, and I'm going to give you guys a Scantron quiz and do all that stuff, and guess what happened, you guys? Every week, I got a bell curve, and I got tired of it. I was like, I could be a better teacher than this. What if everybody could pass? So basically, one of the proto-protocols is um, the fast and the curious, and it goes like this. You crank up a quizzes. That's my favorite. Um, uh, but Quizlet works. Um, There's several other tools you could use this way. But basically, I give the kids the 12 or 15 vocab words for the week. I just start with the quiz. Just give them the quiz. And you know what happens? Most of the time, the kids get about half right. Which, Stephanie and Lance, if you've been teaching for a while, the way that good teachers go faster is they don't teach kids stuff they already know. How many, how many, uh, when I started playing Call of Duty, uh, I had to go across Omaha Beach 43 times to make it to the German bunkers, but I kept doing it because I wanted to get there. So um, the Fast and Curious Edge Protocol basically goes like this, and it's this simple. Give them the quiz, cold turkey, no flashcards, no word wall, no walking around the room. Just give them the test. Then immediately, because a quiz is scores the test for me, I will break it down with the kids and coach them. And then I give them the test again immediately. You know what happens? The scores go up 25 or 30 points right then. And it's just because of the power of reps. Guess what my lesson plan for tomorrow is, you guys? You're going to repeat it. Yeah, same exact thing. So what's my prep time, Stephanie? Zero, unless you're looking at the data, hopefully. Yep. 
So guess what happens on day two? My class average now goes from first rep was 40%. Second rep was 70%. That means the second day I'm going to start about 70 and I'm going to end about 85. Guess what my lesson prep for the next day is, Stephanie? Probably none at all. None. And then we do it again. And, and Lance, I know you're, you're listening. You're like, John, this is pretty low level. Oh my God, this is totally low level. This might be a DOK 0.7. And I don't even know if it goes in increments. This is getting every kid the vocab mastery they need while I'm also not making copies, not fake grading packets by saying things like good job or check mark. I'm actually doing the work, right, of teaching and getting those kids up to speed. So that's the fast and curious. Try it. If you don't believe me, just try it. And I feel uh, like I've had kids, a couple of friends. Oh, they so, love it. The kids yeah, love it. And they see their success. So they were like, on Monday, mm -hmm. I was at 40%. Now I'm going up to 70. Now I'm at 80. Like they want yep. to keep getting better because of that immediate feedback. Do you have the kids I have track a, their score? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The, yeah. the really good teachers track the class average every day. We, I don't worry about the individuals, the class average, because when they know that they're all going to pass, the class affect changes, okay? And I have dozens of examples of teachers telling me, the kids were saying things out loud like, we're getting better. I can't believe this. Can you think about how sad that is for kids who don't normally yeah. say we're getting better? The kids are amazed. They're like, we're getting better. We're good at this. So that yeah. feedback loop is super cool. John, John, two things you said there that I really like and I wanted to point out was, one, I like the fact that you give the students the, the, the end target. I think right. that we fail to do that so many times. You know, when I have a job, I know at the end of the day or at the end of the project right. what's supposed to happen. Okay, with, with students, a lot of times when we're teaching, why do I need to know this? Where am I going? And you don't have any buy-in. But second, there is multiple opportunities. As you were talking about when you're playing Call of Duty, uh, you know, you know that you're trying to yeah. get through this level and you kept yeah. dying and you kept failing, but you knew that if I kept going, I kept going, I kept going, I'm eventually going to get there. Yep. Yep. So my last wrap up for, for the fast and curious is this, if you guys have that internal conflict with timed math tests or what we used to call, um, you know, math facts in my district I work in. So, uh, Lance, it sounds like you might be a math guy. Do all the kids need to know their, their reciprocals? Yes. Do all the kids need to know, uh, you know, their times tables and their decimals? And all? Yes, yes, yes. But the way we normally do it is we just throw them worksheets and then we don't really give them feedback. And so if you take timed math, anything you want, geometric terms, geometric shapes. Unit circles. Uh, I've had three or four friends that have done this in a very scientific way. They rolled in with their kids. They did the fast and curious once. Their, entry, their starting score was 38% for the class. Within three weeks, the class is at 95%. Lance, if you're a math guy, what are the implications of every single kid in your class being able to do the algorithms? What are the implications on higher order math? Oh, man, we can, we can really get into it then and not have to waste time yeah. doing the lower level yep. stuff. Yep. So that's the fast and curious concept. If you just look up John Carippo uh, quizzes, there's about three or four other podcasts where I describe that in more detail. But that is what I would like to call a proto protocol because there's a lot of good interaction and feedback, but there's not really creativity. So I'm going to give you guys one more easy one, Lance, and that literally blew Holly Clark's mind this week with this a, a number that comes to mind. If I gave you guys two weeks to do your PowerPoint on math terms, when are you going to do it? I'm going to do it right away because I'm type A. <laughs> and I'm waiting for the night before. Most people say night before. Like not always, but a lot of people say the night before.
So my logic is, and you'll again, Lance, sound, I guess, I'm picking up that you're a math guy. Um, look up Parkinson's law on Wikipedia. Basically, it's a, a, a British economist made this up. And the Parkinson's law says all human work will expand to meet the time given which means if I give you an hour to do something, you'll do it in the last 10 minutes, which means if I give you a week to do something, you'll mostly do it on the last day, except for Stephanie. God love the early people. So basically <laughs> Parkinson's law gave me this idea of thin slides. And I took, if you've read Daniel Pink's book, uh, blink is one word and one picture. You get three minutes to build it because hashtag panic now. And then you get four seconds to present, which means in six minutes, I can have my entire class make a slide and present a slide in six minutes. And guess what my term for today is, Lance? Complimentary angles. Go. Everybody go. makes one slide. Complimentary angles. Go. Be prepared to make an observation or a claim. You have a total of four seconds to talk. I will cut you off. Now you've got 33 kids sharing complimentary angles or parallel or parallelograms. So who's doing most of the cognitive load, Stephanie? The students, and there's zero prep for the teacher. Which What's is awesome. my prep? Zero. Yeah, so I can literally be driving to school and go, oh my God, these little buggers don't have complimentary angles. We need to fix that right now. And if they don't get it all right, we do another quick round. I'm still only 12 minutes in. I haven't had to come up with a lecture. I'm not making any PowerPoints. The kids are doing most of the work. Guess what else? I can do a thin slide. If you guys have ever been in the middle of a lesson and the kids look at you crazy when you use a term and you can just do this. Okay, here we go. Spin it up. Thin slides. Ready, go. The word for today is pangolin, and you just let them rip. And then they're like, oh, that's what that is. I've seen these before. Conversations happen, and kids are doing the work. It's a really smooth process. Making my slides in three minutes, I don't have to give them three weeks anymore. They think I'm crazy, man. I go like, hey, we're doing an ancient Greek report. You got uh, three periods. Boom, they're done, because they're used to operating at that tempo. Now, John, I know that uh, that you do a lot of professional learning, so let's let's shift gears a little bit here. And uh, on your Edge of Protocol site, uh, I'm seeing that y'all provide some professional learning. What what shifts are you seeing right now in professional learning for you guys? Well, the biggest one I'm seeing is that, that we are fully exiting the No Child Left Behind model of everybody's going to be on page 20. Like that's that's been a two or three year thing. But what I'm really excited about, I, I haven't shared this with a lot of people, so I, I would love to hear your reaction. Um, if I watched a, a, an American football game in 1983, total brands of beer, probably six, right? I mean, on, in the big picture. You got your Coors, your Bud, your Miller, your Michelob, your Miller Lite. How many brands of beer are there nowadays, you guys? Oh, thousands. The correct answer is infinite, right? Because there are constantly new ones coming online. And I think that what Dave Burgess started and that now Sarah Thomas has come alongside and Mark Burns for, from Hack Learning, I believe that teachers publishing books, all these books you're seeing coming out, I believe that is the craft brewing of education. Because it used to be that you could only buy an educational book from a Harvard researcher or those kinds of folks. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That's the big shift we're getting is teachers are beginning to take over their classrooms. I think Pinterest and the Pinterest classrooms, uh, even Teachers Pay Teachers is teaching teachers to be entrepreneurs as much as I don't love Teachers Pay Teachers. But it is te training teachers, make your own stuff and share it. I, I, like I don't like the Teachers Pay Teachers model, 
but we don't have teachers anymore that are simply just saying, oh, well, there's the book. So I will try to get through the book because getting through the book um, was not an advantage. It's not working. And a lot of the books nowadays are different. Like your edu protocols book. It's like, here's a lesson. Here's like how you do it. Go do it. Right. We were not trying to write our, read our, uh, our bio. Our, we're trying to help people teach better, if that makes sense. And so I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. And I mean, that's just the way that a lot of these ed tech books are going. A lot of it's like, here's examples. Here's the hyperlink. Go do it. You know, it's no longer read it from front to back. Like when I read edu protocols, I'm like, oh, I need to go and read this next one before I go to the next one because I'm yes. not ready to do it because I need to go and yep. practice it. And that's how a lot of these books are becoming where before it was like, yep. oh, you're going to start from chapter one and go all the way till the end. Yes. Oh, I, I grew up a poor child in this small California County. People don't want to hear that. <laughs> they buy, they buy teaching books that teach better. Right. And I think we're mm -hmm. moving very much to that model. I totally agree with that. So I think that's one of the big shifts is teacher as crafts person, teacher as artist, teacher as experience designer. That's what I see starting to happen. We're still early. Um, but I think that's, I think that's what's happening is we're starting to see that kind of craft maker movement. And I don't mean teacher maker. I mean, makers outside of teaching, like the hipster guys that are making lamps out of plumbing fixtures. And so we're going to go on to our next segment, which is our meme and quote. So John, what's your favorite meme or quote? Ooh, Let's see. Uh, my favorite quote is one I use myself. It's I'm a foot soldier in a war against ignorance. Um, I actually picked one from you. So you oh. said this, if you remember, um, if you don't sit around in the lunchroom talking about how awesome mm. your kids are and amazing at their, um, how work, they're awesome and their work is, then you need to change your lesson design. And it's so true. Like so many times in the teacher's lounge, it's like complaining Ugh. and complaining. But if you're doing these awesome things, you've got some really cool things to share with people. Definitely. Thanks. No, I love that quote. Thanks for reminding me of that one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> if you're just constantly telling people what is wrong with the kids, then you're wrong because those kids are going to grow up and be just fine. So if you're just telling them they're messed up in middle school or high school, that's on you. That's not on the kids. These kids go out and start businesses. Are you familiar with Steve Jobs? Teachers did not like that guy. You familiar with Mark Zuckerberg? Teachers did not like that guy. And yet they're doing great. Lance, what was your quote? So mine, I've got, I've got a meme. I didn't bring a quote. Mine's okay. kind of tongue in cheek funny. It says, if you could just stop profiling me by my accent, that'd be great. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. True. That's true. That is true. <laughs> but, but, but you know, when, when we're on the calls with the people in, in England and in uh, Australia, they love, they say hearing me talk. And this is like, no, we just love hearing you guys talk. So it, it's great. Uh, I feel so, like sometimes uh, in the United States, though, uh, people can tell that I'm from the, the deep south. So uh, sometimes I think I get profiled a little bit on that. Yeah, I think you do. All right, John, what's something that you learned this week that can be innovative for tomorrow? You know, the thing that really came together for me this week is that when we're doing blended teaching, and I think I mentioned this once or twice, use a tool like Pear Deck or Nearpod or, for God's sakes, at least Google Classroom so that kids aren't having to tab, tab, tab all over the place. Um, when you use those kinds of tools, kids can have one seamless experience from front to back. And then as a teacher, my advantage is I get all my data in one report. So that, that's my favorite one of the week. 
Yeah, that's so true. Cause I know a lot of kids that have teachers too, that have tabs just up on everything. Like they'll share their screen with me and I'm like, you have so many tabs. No wonder your computer's running slow. <laughs> I do have a meme for you real quick, which is uh, imagine a big picture of my head with a computer classroom in the background, like all kinds of gear and crazy stuff. And the top says, I've been talking about education, uh, ed tech in education for 24 years. And the bottom, it says, who's crazy now? so that was that was my fun one for the week that is a fun one um so my something i learned this week well i didn't learn it this week we've been using iron chef and i just Mm -hmm. wanted to share it with the staff um so i love when teachers do these protocols also right so we did iron chef with our building leadership team and they loved it like they had to explain what And and it's all just based on good old reciprocal teaching, right? And it turns out that it's super fun to make stuff and tell people what you think. All people like that. Yeah, and it was just fun because they got to work in groups. I set a timer and they all worked really well together. And then it was just funny because they had to make their own gifts. They had to make their own videos with their special ingredients. So it was just really funny. And then they presented their favorite slides to the group. So thank you for creating that. That Oh, that's awesome. And that's a good example of the food truck because, um, you know, I had done jigsaw. If anybody's listening and they're like, this Iron Chefs thing sounds crazy. It's just a jigsaw, you guys, except each kid gets one slide. That's all it is. Not that fancy. But um, there's creativity. They can do things in different ways. They're actually collaborating. You put about five kids in one slide deck. And so each kid has one slide. One of the things people hate about group work is Lance didn't do his part and we're going to get banged on. Um, if Lance doesn't do his slide in an Iron Chef, that's Lance's problem. It doesn't stop the whole party because the other four groups are still doing that slide. So there's an individual accountability and social piece there that's super cool as well. Awesome. And after listening to you, John, today, it uh, makes me feel a little bit better. Teachers, we need to breathe a little bit uh, and let, teach, or let some students mm-hmm. do some work. We've already got our degrees uh, and, and we've already shown mastery of math skills or reading skills, things like that. So it's time for the students to do some work. Uh, you're doing too much. Uh, so I put a little extension on here. It's called breathe. Uh, it's something yeah. you can just use that it just helps you sit back, relax for a few minutes and breathe and, and just, you know, take it in. So John, thank you for sharing all this stuff today because uh, it just kind of confirms what some of the things that I've been saying for years now, we're doing too much as educators. The students need to be doing, not us. Yep. Be, be, be crafty about having the kids do more of the work. And, and most of that comes with lesson design. And then the paradox of that is if you can get the kids to do more work quickly, you can grade it now, which means you're not grading it tonight. And if you're doing the same edge your protocols, you'd have to plan for tomorrow. Well, thank you so much for connecting with us, John. How can people connect with you? Well, I'm pretty easy to find at Jay Carippo on the Twitter. Twitters. Uh, and I don't have a blog because my Twitter is my blog. Um, and then you can go to uh, edgeprotocols.com and uh, see tons of free templates down there. We never sell uh, Edger Protocols. We, we will allow people to buy the book, but we'll give them away for free if people check out the hashtag, uh, just uh, hashtag edgeprotocols. And um, I love working at Q. And if, if people wanted us to come to their school districts, we love going out and helping teachers teach better and work less. And again, who wouldn't want to teach better and work less? Well, thank you again so much for coming on. I definitely learned a lot and can't wait to try some things with zero prep. Um, And if you want to find any of those resources, go to getinspiredandinnovate.com and you can click on all the links that are hyperlinked in the show notes. 
Again, thanks for listening.